Disrupting the flow of money into coal, gas and oil is critical to limiting the impacts of climate change. Your bank could be investing billions of dollars into the fossil fuel industry. Bank Australia is an ethical bank that doesn't fund harmful industries. Join us and over 180,000 Australians who have made the switch. Search Bank Australia Solutions. My name is Kate Ashmore and I'm a proud Jar Jar Wurrung person. Today's episode of The Cool Down was recorded on the Wurundjeri lands of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal lands of the Aura Nation. Together with Footy for Climate, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia. Footy comes from Mangrook, a First Nations game that has been played on these lands, which have been protected and nurtured by Australia's first people for tens of thousands of years. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging for their continued connection to the land, water and culture, and look to their guidance and knowledge as we work towards a more sustainable future. We acknowledge the sovereignty was never ceded. This was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Welcome back to another episode of The Cooldown by Footy for Climate. I'm your host, co-founder of Footy for Climate, and occasional St Kilda player, Tom Campbell, recording today on Gadigal land. On this episode, we're talking about waste. I sit down with Jasper Pittard and Craig Rucastle. Jasper is my Footy for Climate co-founder, a former Port Adelaide and North Melbourne player. You might know Craig from his work on the Chaser newspaper, the Chaser's War on Everything, and recently on the War on Waste. We chat with Jasper about his involvement in several fashion brands and his experience with waste produced by footy clubs during the COVID hubs. I love speaking to Craig. He's someone that's had such an impact on my own climate journey. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Welcome to The Cooldown. The Cooldown is brought to you by Bank Australia. Jasper, welcome back to The Cooldown. Thanks for having me back, Tom. Mate, absolute pleasure. And I might just jump straight into one of your passions outside of Footy for Climate, which is fashion. It's something that you've, you know, spent a, a long time working on and, you know, really, you know, in your studies, you know, working on design and, you know, something that you're really passionate about. Um, talk to me about that, that sort of, you know, journey that you've been on there and how you've tried to incorporate, you know, reducing waste into that, that space. Yeah, so like during my playing career, probably midway point, I thought I need to start doing something outside of just playing footy. And, and um, yeah, I guess art and design during my school years was something I was really into. So I kind of picked up on that and kind of went went after a bit of a graphic design background. And really since uh, my footy career has ended and, you know, obviously be doing this work um, for the majority of my week, I've sort of juggled my time outside of footy for climate. Um one making sustainable bags, um, you know, upcycled bags, um, with, with a mate of mine who owns this fantastic little local Melbourne business called Intercarry, which is all about, um, yeah, it's all about upcycling using old materials and sort of um, educating um, his sort of customer base about how we view waste and and how we can reimagine it. So that's a really fun little side project I spent a bit of time on. Um, and he's taught me all the skills, um, you know, getting on the sewing machine and, and you know, searching for different materials and, and imagining how we can reuse them. And then the other time is, uh, you know, designing apparel um, with another friend of mine, Anthony, who has a great another great little local um, sports apparel brand called R Sport. Now, that is... Um, essentially I'm um, designing new products um, every now and then there's we, we do one out of sort of recycled polyester but essentially they're kind of new products that we're putting onto the market so I, at times feel a bit of guilt about that 
considering the work I do with you in footy for climate, but um, it's actually got me really thinking about, you know, I don't want to have to sacrifice my passion for fashion and, and, and apparel, but how can, you know, we actually improve the practices um, and particularly around sports apparel. I mean, I've played footy for a long time. You're still playing. It's an essential part of a performance. Um, you know, f as a fan, you want to wear, you know, the latest jumpers with, with your favorite player and all that kind of thing. So how can we actually improve current systems and practices around that kind of thing? With your work you've done with Intercarry in particular, there's a real focus on you know reusing um, and and foraging urban foraging for waste. It's a it's a concept I'd heard nothing about. And uh, you, could you talk to me about how yeah you sort of go out and sort of forage for materials to use in these products? Yeah, well, my connection with Luke, who who is um, the founder of Intercarry, came about because um, well, I actually just messaged him on Instagram and said I. I love your work. I'd love to see uh, your process. If you know, and we just sort of met up. And at the time, one of my uni subjects was I had to create something out of either wood, textiles, or or plastic. Um, and I ended up stumbling across this video on YouTube um, that uh, sort of showed you how you could melt soft plastics between baking paper and using an iron and it kind of creates this kind of fabricy sort of thick material and then you know you stitch it together you can make all kinds of products um, I chose to make tote bags because they're a pretty easy thing when you're starting up on the sewing machine and um, you can do some really wild designs with soft plastic and I had a few of them on my Instagram page and um, Luke sort of said oh, I really like yours and what we ended up doing is collaborating on our different styles and I kind of created the um, outer skin is what we call it and kind of applied it his template of how he makes his bags and sort of like a collaboration and that's sort of been really fun and awesome learning experience but um yeah it's meant it's been quite funny because I you know I'm, I'm hoarding um, soft plastic all my friends and family are hoarding it for me I've actually got too much soft plastic now so it's like oh, everyone needs to also be hoarding soft plastic <laughs> like everyone needs that later <laughs> everyone needs to relax and another kind of interesting thing I've figured out was if you get transparent soft plastic and melt um, in between it you melt like a, a lemon bag or an onion bag it, that kind of netting it, it kind of creates this web like almost like a snake skin um, look which has been really popular um but again, I've just got, I think I've got family and friends like buying oranges in bags to then give it to me. I was like, ah, that's not the point. We're meant to be, yeah, not buying more of that stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, it's been, I mean, both those jobs really complement my work with Footy for Climate. And I feel like I'm constantly thinking about sustainability and, and, and yeah, waste in this particular case and how we can be better in those areas. I've absolutely loved watching your journey with our sport and some of the designs that you've had. It's, it's been just so cool um, and just really trying to bring in that sort of whole community within Melbourne. But I've also seen some of the challenges that you've faced trying to integrate, you know, sustainability and reducing waste into that space. It has a lot of crossover into our footy like world, you know, footy for climate and the AFL, you know, industry uh, every year has new kits for players. And, you know, I think, you know, both of us played more than 10 years of footy. I'm still going into my 12th year and, Every year we get a new stack of gear. It all comes in an individually wrapped plastic bag. So, um, you know, so many players talk about waste as an issue. What are some of the conversations you've had with players, particularly around waste? Yeah, and I guess a big part of my role for Footy for Climate um, when we started was meeting different players and we, yourself included. We were jumping on Zoom meetings for half an hour just with individual players across 
both the men's and women's um, leagues. And yeah, waste was something that just kept coming up, particularly around the apparel. I know one of you know our good friends, Jordan Roughhead, used to you know on on the day where you'd get the new gear, it was him and maybe a couple other teams would go around um, collecting all the soft plastic bags and making sure they went into the appropriate bin, which um, is now a bit of an issue because red cycle don't really exist anymore. But um, it's just this common thing. It's the kind of gateway, I suppose, into, um, you know, whether it's around climate or you know, waste generally. Um, and yeah, we've, we met with Tom Hickey also in, in uh, the hub in Queensland 2020. And at the time with all the all COVID, like everything was just um, served to us in, you know, single use plastic containers. And he kind of put an end to that at one of these particular hotels and said, no, nah, we've got to, we've got to go back to. Because it was breakfast, lunch and dinner every day for, for months. Um, and, you know, the scale of just how many containers that was, I think sort of struck Tom. And, you know, I think he, what with some of the other players just, you know, spoke to hotel management and you know the reality of the hub that was like it was just the teams and their families inside so they weren't going to infect anyone else with covid so it was like is this really necessary and i mean i've just been in japan recently and some of the, <laughs> the supermarkets there have like individual fruits like fruit is individually wrapped in plastic then that's put in another plastic bag so there is a lot of waste around us and i think um you know what's promising from the conversations you know we've been having with um afl players is that this is something they're noticing and it's not something that they particularly like and they want to address it or figure out well, what are the alternatives. And I think the conversations that we've had about waste is, you know, it, it comes up as such a, a big issue for players, whether it's, you know, issue number one or not, you know, some players might say they're interested in, you know, marine conservation and I'm concerned about waste. So it, it, it comes up in those top couple of issues for players. But then, you know, we've been saying, well, is, is this actually, you know, contributing to climate change or not like it's a big issue that we want to address but also you know our whole thing has been about addressing climate change and you know we don't know these answers and we're really lucky today to have someone who can hopefully answer some of these questions for us today on the cool down we've got craig rucastle a, a writer comedian satirist uh, who was a founder of the chaser newspaper which spun off into a number of tv series including one of my absolute favorites from when i was a teenager the chasers war on everything uh, craig has also hosted two seasons of the war on waste another show that i love especially as i've gone on this journey of climate action as well as his tv work craig has also been on triple j lots of radio and um, will be fantastic on today's show i i can list all the tv gigs um, radio shows and everything, but I'm really keen to talk to you about waste today, Craig. Welcome to the cool down. Good to be here. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Jasper. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, no, look, I'm glad you guys are getting pretty people involved. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear stories about, you know, Roughhead getting going and getting all the soft plastics together. It's a bit of a surprise. I'm, I'm pleased by that. I love it. Uh, you're right, that, though, that, that that's a bit of a problem at the moment, soft plastics. Jasper, it sounds like you've got the solution to the soft plastics. What we're going to do is we're going to dump about 20 million tons at your doorstep, okay? You're going to turn it into stuff. It sounds like you're one of the only solutions right now. Yeah, just drop it off and, and, and I'll sort it out. I think, I think that is sometimes a bit of a problem generally with these issues is, oh, we'll leave it up to someone else. So, I mean, we do have to figure out these solutions together, but um, I'll, keep the, uh, I'll keep the garage door open for now if people want to drop stuff off. <laughs> Craig, one of our previous guests on the show said um, that whenever she goes in for an interview on the ABC, she always worries about her coffee cup and she makes sure that she brings the, the right cup in because she's worried that
that you'll be there with the war on waste and she'll she'll get um, pulled up in the foyer. But um, no, it, it just shows um, the impact that the war on waste has had on some on so many people. But um, also just that style of sort of sort of the stunts and and actually um, you know holding people to account. Um, it sort of goes all the way back to that chaser time. And as I said before, as a show that really resonated with me as a young bloke, I was, um, you know, interested in sort of that sort of shock and in-your-face stuff. I was really interested in jackass, um, sort of young, young guys doing reckless stuff. I like shooting yep, each other yep, yep. point blank with the, you know, the paintball guns. But I also loved the chaser's war and everything, which was, again, these like amazing stunts that were you know, really compelling viewing and sort of had me chatting. And I mean, maybe some of the listeners don't really remember everyone watching the same TV show every night and then chatting about it the next day. But, you know, I remember going to school and, you know, on a Thursday morning going, did you see that last night? Um, So I suppose there was one side where it's sort of just a stunt for stunt's sake, whereas sort of with the work on The Chaser, it was more around, um, you know, stunts with a purpose and a message, particularly around social issues and, 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 you know, Politics. Yeah. Look, I wouldn't want to oversell it. There were definitely stunts we did which had no point whatsoever and were just stupid ideas as well. So it was a kind of a mix between those. And then some of the stunts did have political points behind them. You know, we'd be going out to politicians, hassling them about various issues at the time, whether it be refugees or something else. But it's, you know, going up and doing it as part of a stunt is a very different way of doing it because, you know, they're used to, they're used to dealing with journalists and you're coming up, you know, in a stupid costume or we drove up to, I remember we chased John Howard in the morning with a Lorian car, like from Back to the Future, or a bus another time, you know, and that kind of different offer, you know, puts them off and you just changes the way you go. And, and to be honest, it's kind of aimed at getting a different audience interested in that. It is aimed at getting younger people interested. So I'm glad it was your gateway drug, uh, Tom, uh, watching a bit of Chaser in the early days there. But yeah, it was very fun. And, and um, yeah. I look back on those years and it was crazy some of the stuff we got away with. So it was, it was good to do it. I think a lot of people have, you know, big, crazy ideas, but it takes something else to sort of go that step further and actually follow through. And so, like, what is the process of actually coming up with these these concepts? Like, what's the writer's room like? Yeah, well, it, it's funny because people always kind of were going, you know, like, we started out as a newspaper, right? And we had some uh, part of the newspaper was we'd kind of send these in those days faxes. This is how old I am, <laughs> off to people that were being a bit smart ass to them about things and then when we started doing the TV show Andrew Denton who was our producer was like you've got to do that kind of stuff here it's like well it's very different to go literally up to a person and say something to their face as opposed to sending them an email or a letter or a fax so this kind of slowly occurred over time and look we would just kind of sit in a room brainstorm for ages and you know you'd sometimes get the short straw and be the one doing the stunt. And it wasn't like we were all kind of these crazy jackass characters. We were kind of, you know, nerdy, shy guys to a point. And suddenly you're like, so I've got to go and what? I've got to go and walk up to the prime minister surrounded by federal agents, you know, and say this stupid thing to me. It was it was frightening as hell sometimes. And I think the only thing that really propelled us to do it was the fear of kind of coming back to the office with nothing when you'd gone out to do it. And if it was an idea we'd all backed and you got to kind of do it, you're like, oh, I don't want to mess up for everyone else. You know, I don't want to make this idea rubbish. So, yeah, look, it was a fascinating time and sometimes it was quite embarrassing. Uh, sometimes it was a real rush, a uh, real rush. So, yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it was obviously so compelling and it really hooks people in. And I think, you know, for me, the war on waste, I, I really watched it in the first place just 
to see what sort of stunt I, I might be witnessing on the TV that night. And it is such a great hook and a way in. But, you know, I think just around waste, um, for you, what was really your way into waste as an issue? Because, you know, you've done two seasons of that and you've also spent a lot of time on, you know, Fight for Planet A. Um, so it's obviously a really important issue for you. And what was your way in? Well, it's interesting, actually, because t- if you'd asked me before doing War on Waste, I was probably more interested in climate stuff, to be honest. Like, I was I was kind of really interested in, you know, how do we change energy? Where is it coming from? Stole, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> we did the checkout shows and I did a lot of stuff on energy and all that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> I was interested in waste, but it wasn't the major thing I was focused on. And then through the ABC, we started talking about, there was a, a British format of the show. They were thinking of doing it here. And I started talking about it. It was an area I was really interested in. But I think one of the benefits of doing the show is that I wasn't like an expert. I didn't. I came to it the same way that most people came to it, which is like I care about it. I try and do my recycling. I try to do things right. But I wasn't an expert. So I was kind of going on the same journey as the audience was going, how can I do this a bit better, to be honest? And that was part of the thing that made it, that, that kind of probably worked a little bit with it. But after doing a couple of seasons of it, we noticed that people were kind of conflating waste with, with climate. So people be asked in polls, you know, what is it you're doing for climate change? And they'd be going, oh, I don't take a plastic bag when I go to Coles. And you go, look, that's great. It, it does have a kind of flow on effect climate wise, but it's a very small part of the climate debate. And it's really, it's more about litter and it's more about waste and that kind of stuff. So the reason we wanted to do Fight for Planet A was to kind of go, hey, you know, try and use that similar thing of these big stunts and big pieces to try and bring people in to try and understand uh, climate a bit more. Because as you guys would know, like waste's really easy to understand, right? Everybody sees the plastic bottles in the ocean. Everyone deals with the waste. I take it out. I put it in this thing. I put it out on the side of the, you know, it's really tangible. Climate change is a bit harder, you know, to go, hang on a second, I'm using energy. It's made by coal. I don't really control that. What's happening? Where are the emissions? It's just a bit harder to get people on that base level. So we kind of looked at doing that. as a, But there's definitely, there's definitely interactions between them, but it's not always a kind of straight line between waste and climate. And, uh, you know, you, I, I'm not saying you, one is where you've got to focus on both, but, uh, you know, not always the same thing. I think we might get to it a little bit later on, just that, that really – important sort of crossover between sort of waste and, and climate and what areas in particular if you are concerned mm. about climate change you know reducing your waste will have the greatest impact yep. um, but I'm really I'd really love to chat about the war on waste and just how that really I think sparked lots more conversation a lot more interest in what we're doing with our waste I think it was a really you know, powerful conversation starter you know I, I said before like I joined uh, the show I watched the show because you know I, I thought I was going to see some cool stunts but I think what the stunts actually did in that show was actually demonstrated scale in a way that I hadn't really seen before and I, I don't know Jasper like you were you've been talking before about when you put things in the bin, they just disappear. And, you know, I don't know like whether you've sort of got any sort of comments about, you know, what, what it's, you know, before the, seeing the war on waste, just putting things in the bin and... Yeah, well, you don't think about it too much, but when you see things at scale and like the the impact at a more, you know, at a higher scale, it actually kind of makes you think about think about it more. And I think, you know, the stunt with the tram filled with coffee cups, like... You're like, whoa, that's a lot. And I don't know if you yeah. fully filled that tram up with coffee cups or you just sort of stuck uh, them to well, the we window. We didn't even have <laughs> enough coffee cups to fill that tram up. We had to stick them to the side. Yeah. But yeah, we did have like, we had like, you know, six tons of 
fashion just piled up as well. And yeah, it's showing the scale and just showing that this is, you know, how much we throw away in like 10 minutes, I think it was, even memory. You know, that kind of stuff, it is, it is crazy when you look at the scale. And it's, it's again, it's that, it's the interesting thing about individuals, right? You kind of don't realize the impact of your waste because you just look at it and go, oh, it doesn't seem too much for just me. But it's about the addition of how that adds up. And in Australia, we have a pretty big waste footprint. We are a big consumer nation. We're a wealthy nation. And that means we've got a massive waste footprint there. So you kind of do need to show that scale. On the other hand, though, as well, I think when it comes to climate stuff, people can go, oh, this is such a big problem. I'm such a small part. I can't make a change. But in the same way that your waste really adds up, your changes really add up as well. Like you can make changes in your life that that seem small on your own, but there's a million of you doing it really across the country and it really does start to scale up. And when you're having the conversation with the next person and talking to them and they talk to somebody else, that really does make a difference. So yeah, the scale is crazy. I'm, we're back in doing the third war on waste at the moment and some of the statistics we're kind of looking through each day, just doing my head in and it's nightmarish. But you know, there's some good changes that have happened as well. So it, it's been it's been a positive thing. I think people are a lot more focused on waste since the program came out. It's, the government's become a lot more focused. There's been some positive changes but there's still a lot of things that we're we're not there yet on i think as well here in victoria and and probably in australia particularly like you know waste management and recycling is probably quite poor have you got have you been to places you know elsewhere in australia across you know in the world that do it really well or you know that we could emulate at least to to improve a lot more look it's it's interesting there's definitely kind of uh, in europe there's countries that have better recycling rates and that kind of stuff but there's also sometimes a bit of a con going on so for i did a foreign correspondent story in Sweden, where they're like, we recycle 99% of stuff. And then you actually go over there and what they do is they take a lot of the plastic waste or a lot of their rubbish and they burn it called waste to energy stuff, right? <clears throat> Everyone loves the idea of waste. Oh, it's great. I'm taking my waste. I'm turning it into energy. It's, it must be a great thing. In actual fact, what you're doing, if you think about a lot of your waste is plastic, right? What's plastic made from? Oil. What are you burning? Oil. You know, if I came to you and said, hey, guys, we're going to have a new oil-to-waste station, no one's going to be particularly thrilled by that, are they? So, you know, there's a bit of a... Uh, look, we're not the best. Australia's not the best. We're definitely not the worst as well. But I think our problem in Australia comes back to that fact that we just buy so much stuff and chuck it away. And it's interesting, Jasper, because you're into the fashion world, right? Fashion's a, fashion is a fascinating area because it has become faster and faster and faster and cheaper and cheaper and people buy it quickly. And, and you know, what used to be something that, you know, when you're growing up, you're like, I've got to wear this for years. It's now like, I wear this twice. And then I'm like, I'm over it. I put it on Instagram. Why do I want to wear it again? So that kind of speeding up and consuming more and more and more is the problem when it comes to fashion, for instance. So, you know, Australia as a rich, massive consumer country has a problem that contributes a lot to waste, but it also has a massive climate footprint as well, because all of those products take enormous amounts of energy, water, all these other things to make. So that has a big climate impact as well. War on Waste really showed the scale, but I also think it showed the breadth of the issue. There's so many different elements of the waste problem that we have to address. Uh, something that I think does actually contribute to climate change is food waste. And that was a really big thing that was focused on in in those first couple of seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that image of the bananas and just like, oh, this banana's too good, basically. Like, it's too big and delicious. We can't possibly sell it. Um, you know, like... 
yeah, how how are we going with that? You know, five six years on, like, has there been progress? Yeah. Uh, look, there's been some progress. So, look, one of the things that we you're right though, you're, you're totally right that from a client perspective, one of the stupidest things we do is that most of our food goes into landfill, and what that does is that food that breaks down in landfill. Uh, landfill is capped so that, you know, it's, it, there's a sensible reason for it. It's so that, you know, if I throw my plastic away and they put it in landfill, it doesn't then just blow away into the atmosphere, or into the community, but it's kind of capped. So there's soil top put on top of it. What that means is when that fruit and veg and the food breaks down, it turns into methane, which is a, uh, you know, it's a greenhouse gas about 28 times or even 80 times, depending on the time scale, more potent than CO2. So that means that's been pumped to the atmosphere. So when we threw away a few years ago, we threw away 5 million tonnes of food. That then turned into several million tonnes, 7 million tonnes of carbon dioxide. So that has a massive climate impact. So the often quoted statistic is that if you were to take it as a country, food waste around the world would be the third largest emitter in the world. So it's a huge problem. So yeah, if, if you kind of go to people, people go, I'm trying to get rid of my plastic. You go, you know what? You're looking at it from a climate perspective, probably the number one thing we're doing in Australia that's stupid is putting food into landfill. So getting it out of that, getting into compost, getting into anaerobic digestion, getting to somewhere else, eating it <laughs> instead of just throwing it away, that simple thing, <laughs> you know, is a massive step that you can do that you can actually do yourself. And a lot of the household waste actually comes from, oh, sorry, a lot of the waste for food actually still comes from the household. So it's one of those things where you can actually change it yourself. Is there it's, an not, over- it's not relying on, sorry, I was just going to say, it's not relying on the prime minister to change it. It's actually you. Is there an overproduction issue in there as well? Look, that happens to a, to a point. Like, you know, it's hard for farms to necessarily tell how much they're going to produce. And it's difficult, particularly with, again, this is where climate impacts on it, right? You don't know whether you're going to be hit by storms, weather events, and that they're going to wipe out half of your crop. So you're obviously planting some. And so, yeah, look, to be honest, if farmers are taking the crop and there's some left over and it's going back into the soil, that's less bad than it being put into landfill. But it is the fact that, you know, yes, there's definitely a huge problem with our supply change and then when it gets to our house with us wasting a lot of the food. Like the stats that we look at say that if you buy five kind of bags of food at the supermarket, you're going to throw away one of those bags. So 20% of that stuff you buy, you chuck out. Now, it's nuts from a, from a climate perspective. It's nuts from a resources perspective. It's also nuts just from a how much you're paying. Like right now, we've got this cost of living crisis in Australia. We're spending so much money on food. If you're chucking away 20% of it, it's absolutely crazy. Throughout this podcast, we've heard countless times that we need to protect what we have now before it's lost. Disrupting the flow of money into coal, gas and oil is critical to limiting the impacts of climate change. Your bank could be investing billions of dollars into the fossil fuel industry, but we as individuals have a choice and together we can create big change with just one action by putting our money where it matters. Bank Australia is an ethical bank that doesn't fund harmful industries. Join us and over 180,000 Australians who've made the switch. Search Bank Australia Solutions. Oh, it was absolutely one of the, the biggest things that I took from the first few episodes of The War on Waste was just how many thousands of dollars people are actually just tipping in the bin. Um, it's nuts, isn't it? It's yeah. nuts. And look, and, but to be fair, this is the thing I think we've got to realise. Like, 
I'm not, and you know, it's funny you're talking about your friend coming to the ABC, is Craig going to jump on me if I don't have a cup? I'm not really judgmental about that because I realize we're all human, right? We make these mistakes. So often it's linked to good intentions, right? You go, I'm going to cook at home five nights this week and I make this healthy food. And then you're working long hours, you come home, you got kids, you go, oh God, the last thing I can do right now is cook this. I'm going to get some takeaway. And then just by no act of kind of actual being a bastard at all, a week, two weeks down the track, you're going, oh no, all that stuff is spoiled in my fridge and I'm going to chuck it out, you know? So it's those little habit changes can make a big effect, but it's not that you're necessarily going, oh, I'm going to ruin the climate by buying this stuff. You know, we make these human mistakes. We've just got to look at ways to find it. I think the habit and behavioral changes is a really important one. And I mean, I've got a funny anecdote. This kind of made me furious at the time. An ex team owner, I won't, I won't mention the name. You know, you, you know, footballers have so much time. We just go for coffees all the time and pretend like we really do stuff. But um, yeah, sitting in at a cafe, uh, in having our coffee in, and and um, one of my teammates and friends ordered it in a takeaway cup. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you know, we're sitting in. You you don't need a takeaway. It's like, oh, just just taste a bit better, or it stays warmer, or something in the cup. And I was just like. Oh, I'm just going to let that one slide. But yeah, I think those small educational yeah. things, but also um, like you mentioned before, not being judgmental, like you can have these conversations in a way because no one likes to feel judged and no one likes to feel like they're yeah. doing the wrong thing. So it is delicate and it's um, I, what I really liked as well, which you mentioned before about your journey in in these shows is that, you know, you were going on the journey as well. And I think mm-hmm. in the work that we do, we talk a lot about we're not experts. We're just a couple of guys who currently and used to play footy who, who want to be better and do more and, and, you know, come on the journey. And we actually, you know, we're just normal people too who aren't professing to know everything, but we want to bring as many people along with us, which is, you know, the point of the podcast as well. I totally agree. And I think that's so important. And I think it's really important for people to be having just these conversations amongst themselves. To make, climate change can seem like this massive global difficulty in a sense. But in actual fact, there's so many things that can be done at the household level. And also, to be honest, not just the household level, it's probably more important also to have the conversations with friends to get together at a community level and then put that pressure back on politicians and put the pressure back on companies. And, you know, that kind of thing has a real power. I mean, I think we saw at the last election, we saw a lot of people who are probably just a bit pissed off about things getting together and working in communities and low levels and actually changing the outcomes of elections in certain seats. So, you know, it's fascinating how much impact people can have and it's recognising you have that kind of power is really important. But I totally agree. Just the conversation is a big part of it and not being totally judgmental about it. And look, I'm, I'm doing a third series of War and Waste. There are still things that drive me nuts. There are still like, you know, I can still stand at my recycling bin and go, I still have no idea whether this should or shouldn't go in there because in actual fact, there are about 40,000 types of different packaging and you need a chemical engineering degree to do this and surely there should be a better system. So, you know, it's not necessarily always easy. So having those conversations and everyone just going, oh, you know, I've done this, I've done this and that's made a difference to me, you know, it can all make a difference. Looking forward to, you know, the next season of The War on Waste and i don't want to, no spoilers or anything, uh, but, you know, you know, obviously looking back, um, you know, we see that you know, that soft plastic conversation, you know, was yeah. really, you know, high on the agenda in, in the, you know, the first two seasons and, you know, now, you know, with Red Cycle, that's be, become like a really big, you know, hot, to- hot topic in recent times. You know, what are the issues now that we're sort of looking 
uh, forward to solving um, and sort of, you know, what are the sort of progresses that, that we've made on, you know, some of those issues in yeah. the first couple of seasons? Look, I, the soft plastic one's a really interesting one because, yeah, it's like, I think it's, it's a massive amount of soft plastic goes into landfill at the moment. Like even when Red Cycle was working, we're only talking about a small percentage, like a few percentage was being picked up. Now, this is the link. This is where the link comes to climate change. So soft plastics, most of the plastic we're using, at the moment we have a recycling rate of about 13%. So think about that go, okay, we've got 13% recycling rate in plastic. So that means that most of the time that we get a new plastic product, most of the time there's a new bit of plastic packaging, that is virgin fossil fuels. That is new oil or gas that's creating that. Oil and gas, obviously, fossil fuels have a large carbon footprint. Not as bad as burning them. Obviously, that's when the most of it's released, but digging them up, creating them, all that kind of stuff has a carbon footprint. So a really big question we face as a nation is like, if we're going to have plastic packaging, if we're going to have all this plastic there, is there a way to make it that it's recycled and properly recycled rather than every time we get a new bit, we just get some more virgin fossil fuel? Because there are talks about, you know, if we all suddenly start driving EVs and we're getting rid of um, using petrol and that in other ways, the actual major use of fossil fuels in the future will be things like packaging and plastic and clothing. I mean, over 60% of clothing we wear is plastic, is oil. So, Dealing with that question is a massive, has a massive waste issue. It's a massive waste thing, but it has a real link to climate change as well in the future because we can't go, hey, we don't use any oil and gas in our cars anymore, but most of our clothing and enormous amounts of our packaging and everything we go to the shops and get is all from oil and gas. So that's, that, that's one of the challenges we face. So soft plastics is, you know, the red cycle falling over has been terrible, but in a way is also good. It has kickstarted a much bigger conversation that we'll be covering in the show about are there bigger and better solutions, other ways that we can actually solve this. Jasper, you know, you spoke to so many players just about some of, you know, their concerns, but what are the really key waste issues that are coming up in footy right now? I think a lot of it's around apparel and food, definitely. Um, you know, we've had the stuff like uh, sponsored cups that, you know, our Gatorades and Parades come in, like, you know, guys would, you know, would just drink one, bin, get another one, you know, real basic stuff like that. Like, let's just bring drink bottles, all that kind of thing. But I think I think yeah. the one that comes up a lot is is around the apparel because, and it's a tricky one because, uh, you know, you you have your apparel sponsors, they bring out a new line of the, their, their merch every year, um, you get different sponsors. Um, so there's kind of implications uh, you, from a performance point of view, we, you know, we need to be wearing something that's going to help us perform and you know being a sport like football as well things get ripped all the time because it's rough and we tackle mm. and all that kind of stuff um you know and then down to the fans who want to support their teams and wear the colors and get the new version of the jumper and i mean that's all part of the footy identity as well as your your team colors the most up-to-date jumper or you know the throwback retro jumpers mm. and for players you know we actually well you're still playing tom you, you train what six days a week you, you're getting pretty sweaty every time you train you, you, you're going through so many different singlets and t-shirts and shorts or whatever you know on a daily basis so and that all gets replaced every year but then i think the things we're hearing from our players like you know where's that going how can we ensure that this old gear that we wear which has still got heaps of life left in it can go to you know you know go to someone secondhand or you know and you know there's a lot of good stuff happening and there's a lot of people who are very conscious of buying not new products and trying to buy secondhand stuff but inevitably it feels like down the line it is just going to be handballed to someone who probably doesn't or can't deal with it 
Um, mm. And I know there are some um, like apparel here in, in Melbourne are doing some great stuff in that space. But yeah, I think I think the apparel thing and the packaging it comes in for, for the footy players we speak to is is probably the big one. Yeah, and look, it's, it's, it's funny because, look, I, you're right that I can't see people using the same stuff in AFL from year to year, your sponsors change and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I mean, you'd think there'd be an interesting second-hand market in that because people would love to buy the clothes that their footy idols wear, you know, that kind of stuff. So clean them up and sell them on and get that second-hand use out of them because realistically with most clothes, it doesn't matter whether it's made from cotton or wool or plastic or whatever, they all have their own footprint. I mean, hemp is probably the best out of all of them, but they all have got their own quite big footprint from a carbon perspective and a water and all that kind of stuff. So the, really the main thing you can do is wear those clothes longer and longer prolong their life. So if you guys are going, well, I can't wear this over the year, after the year it's got to be handed on, then hand it on to somebody else. Talking about the ripped clothes, you know, it's something I'd love to see done actually in AFL because we talk about this, we're going to look at this in the show, is that realistically what you need to do is repair clothes and keep using them. You know, like I constantly hate my go through jeans and I just want to repair them and I do repair them. I try to. I'm not very good at it, but give, give them a longer life. I'd love to see the AFL player who got the top ripped in a game and came out and it was all stitched up in the club colours the next day. They're like, this is my badge of pride. You ripped it. I've repaired it. I'm back on the field. You know, and by the end of the season, the player who's the roughest has got lines everywhere where they've just repaired this shirt. I, I love the idea of that. You know, kind and of the symbolism repairing. in that to, you know, you can't you can't keep us down. You know, we'll just keep yeah. getting back up, repairing. Yeah, I, I, I reckon yeah. that's great. And um, I, love that. I love that idea. It, it, it goes to what we all do. You know, we should be repairing this stuff and, you know, being proud of the fact that I've worn it for longer rather than being at the moment, you know, on social media or whatever, the, the reward is I'm proud. Of, look, I've got this new thing and I'm putting it on. And, you, know, I, you know, how can we make people proud that they're wearing stuff over and over again and, you know, repairing it? And it's, this is the thing I got from an op shop from 50 years ago, that kind of stuff. You know, how do we re- renew that? Because, yeah, you're in fashion, Jasper. It's, it's got a kind of footprint there. And the quicker we go, the quicker we're churning through it, the more of an impact we're having on a waste and a climate impact. impact. So, Craig, a a footy stadium is just a closed system. So if you were given a stadium and you've got it Mm. for the the weekend's game, how would you sort of put the war on waste into action at, at at a footy stadium? You've got the MCG for the day. Yeah, I got the MCG for that. Well, I guess yeah, the fact that it's a closed loop actually does help in a way. Because if you think about it at the moment, what we've got in Australia is you've got everyone's doing a different thing. So you go coffee cups, right? So you go one cafe is just got the normal plastic coffee, your plastic plastic lined coffee cups. The one down the street's got compostable lined coffee cups. The one next down is saying, well, we'll bring in a cup or whatever, a reuse. There's all these different approaches happening. And it can be confusing for when you then go to try and throw it out, going, where does this go? Does this go in landfill or this is compostable? Where does that go? That kind of stuff. So if you've got a, a, a thing like the Olympics or a football game, you could make everything one system. So you could make it so that everything was compostable and dealt with through a composting system. Or you can make it that everything was reusable. So that you got a beer cup and you just chucked it in the thing and it was rewashed. And the next game, next week, everybody got these reusable cups again. I think it's Something like that. So you can, you know, you can find one solution, and everyone within the MCG does that, and that's a way to get away with it. So I think there has been trials in different football stadiums of this kind of approach, and that there's ways to actually do it. I mean, also to be honest, in football stadiums, just food waste. You know, 
collecting that food waste, making sure that's going to compost and or going you know back into the system rather than being landfill be a huge part of it because you can imagine how much stuff is getting chucked out at a footy game. What about like fan engagement? Because I think it's one thing to do the right thing yourself, but that education piece, and that's obviously a big part of what we want to do is, is help educate ourselves and footy fans and footy players about better practices and, and, and ways to live. But I think... You know, we see examples overseas in sports doing amazing things. Um, you know, one example is the Philadelphia Eagles and NFL. And, you know, from the top down, I think their owners like been super passionate about sustainability for 20 years. But their whole club now, you know, lives and breathes it in, you know, all the different areas that we've spoken about on this show already. But they bring the fans along. And it's got to a point now, if you're an Eagles fan, you're like, you're not just there to watch your team play. You're really proud and connected to them because they're this sustainable club and they're kind of breaking that ground and obviously the education piece like I think they've got up on their screens mid-game is like you know make sure you put this in the right bin like all that kind of really basic stuff but then as a you know as a fan going you're learning but then you're actually really connected to club and feeling really really good about the fact that you're you're a part of a, a, a community that's like trying to be better in this area so do, yeah. do you think there's a lot of you know a potential there for for sport in Australia and, and footy in particular Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, let's face it, in Australia, people look up to sports stars. I mean, you know, you guys have an extraordinary power to influence things. And one of the reasons I, you know, when I first heard about Footy for Climate, I was so thrilled about it was it was like, you know, this is awesome because you guys are getting to an entirely different audience. You're getting to people who may never watch a show like War of Waste or something, but watch the footy every week. And, you know, you're talking to those people. And the interesting thing as well is if you look at polling and statistics and that, and particularly with young people nowadays, people are really concerned about climate change. Like we've, we've kind of reached a tipping point where we kind of went through this ridiculous denial debate for a long time. But the great majority, it, it, there's actually, people think there's more people that are kind of climate deniers than there actually are. It's less than 10% of people. They have a kind of a bigger view in the community because they're seen in the media and because we used to kind of, every, you know, we used to do media in a way where we'd go, you've got to have people from both sides, even though one side are lying, <laughs> basically. But that's kind of been overcome a bit now. Most people people in Australia are really concerned about this. They see the impact on farms, they see the impact of fires, they see the impact of floods, they see communities like Lismore and that, they get absolutely hammered. People are concerned about it. So I think you guys have a massive capacity to show just to model good change, good behaviour. And, uh, you know, I love it. I love the fact that we've got you guys talking about climate. I love the fact talking about waste and all that kind of stuff and having these conversations. And, I, you know, I think if you just model that good behaviour, you'd be surprised at how much of a difference that'll make itself. Every every episode of The Cool Down, we finish with two of the same questions. Ask, I ask both guests. So, um, Craig, what gives you hope? <laughs> Look, it, it, it's, it's funny, actually, because, you know, we talked about waste and climate here, right? So if you were to say to me, Craig, do you reckon by 2050 we'll have zero plastic or we'll have 100% renewable energy? You know, one one a bit more waste, one a bit more climate. I would say, to be honest, I'm more. I think it's more likely we'll have solved some of the big climate problems. We'll have 100% renewable energy. We'll be, you know, Australia will be 200% renewable energy by then. We'll probably still have plastic around. We'll probably still be dealing with that particular problem. I'm not sure. So, but there's so many good things that are actually happening now. Like you know. Australia has an amazing capacity 
because we have so much sun and we have so much wind, we have the ability to be, you know, doing the same things we're doing now, like living our lives, getting transport, watching big TVs, you know, going to the footy, doing all of these things, but doing them all in a way that has much, much, much smaller carbon footprint and is much, much more positive for the world. So I, I, there's all these changes happening that make me really positive about it, you know. And also, to be honest, you do see massive behaviour changes happening. Like, you know, it, it went backwards a bit with COVID, but there was an, I was amazed by how many people started taking their own cups to, to when they got a coffee or how many people now take their own bags to supermarkets. That's an enormous amount of people do that now. And those behaviour changes are happening in a huge way, and I, I'm, I'm actually blown away by it. So I think there's lots of positive things happening. Um, I just I, – I, directed a, a movie called The Big Deal, which is about kind of money and politics. There's that other side that depresses me where you still see some very powerful forces working to slow down change. But when it comes to community, when it comes to people, uh, the grassroots and their activism and their changes themselves, it's a really positive story and it makes me feel really good. And Jasper, what gives you hope? Um, well, I guess I can focus on our context and the work we've been doing. Um, you know, for example, um, yeah, the AFL have just appointed a lead sustainability person. So, you know, that's a really great step in the right direction from a code's point of view. Um, uh, from when we started having conversations with them, you know, and then to have made that addition now, I think that's awesome. Um, so that's one small example. I think I get a lot of inspiration from the youth around the country and the world. Um, it's a shame that we've kind of had to lean on the youth in a sense that, you know, they're going on school strikes to make sure their voices are heard. But in the same sense, I'm really like optimistic about the future leadership in this country. Um, that's something that inspires me as, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to think I'm still in their youth bracket, but um, unfortunately we don't make the cut for the Australian Youth Climate Coalition now when you're over 30. So I guess both we're aged out. I guess, I guess we're oldies now. But, um, that's you why know. you had to come up with footy for climate. You're like, ah, damn, I'm too young. Yeah, we needed a club, now. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that's given me a real kick up the bum as a you know middle-aged person, whatever. I don't know how to refer to myself now. I'm just in, we're in limbo age at the moment. But um, yeah, I'm super. I have a lot of hope from the from the youth, but it also makes me feel like well, you know, we don't want to just leave them this you know apocalyptic world. So um, yeah, I'm inspired to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I think I think protecting the future of footy, which is you know, at all levels is a big part of what we want to do is um, really important so that, the you know, the next generations get to enjoy this game and, you know, just life generally in Australia like, like, like we have so far. And if there was one thing that we could do, Craig, to tackle climate change, what would it be? <laughs> one thing. There's so many things. This is the thing. It's like, for me, it depends. There's different things you can do. Like, man, like I've just got an electric bike. Best thing I've ever done. It's amazing how many car trips it's taken over. And it's fun. It's awesome. You get fitter. You know, I do much longer rides than I would have otherwise. I mean, if you're young as you guys, you actually don't need the, the battery on there. You can just get a bike. But those kind of things can make big changes. Getting solar can make big changes. As I said, food waste, huge. If you can cut your food waste, you are going to have a massive impact on not only your waste but also on the climate as well. So there's, there's lots of those little things to do. And again, it depends on what stage of your life you are, whether you're you know, living at home, whether you're renting, whether you own, all the, all the things are there. They're different things you can do. But I guarantee you, if you want to make a difference and you want to make a change, there are things out there that you can do. And Jasper, same to you. Well, I just wanted to touch on firstly that point you made before, Craig, about 
I guess, sacrifice. I think I think a common thing for people that, and it might be something that deters people from kind of doing more, is we we've got this perception that we have to sacrifice all these things that we love in this life. And I touched on earlier before about my, my passion for fashion and, and, and design. I don't want to sacrifice that. So how do we find solutions or 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 ways or um or ways to still do the things we love without having to sacrifice? And I think, you know, the potential to move to renewable and go fully electric, you know, hopefully in the next 10, 20 years means we don't actually have to sacrifice anything that we currently do. It's just about being more conscious about the decisions we make. Yeah, things in moderation, um, being you know, making a few more compromises about um, you know, what we eat, you know, do we need to eat so much meat all the time or, you know, all that kind of thing or, um, you know, let's not get takeaway tonight because we've got all this food in the fridge. Let's actually finish that food and we'll get takeaway tomorrow. Mm. They're just making small compromises. And I think as at a personal level, that's what I've been trying to do. Um, but I think also just, you know, just educating yourself and, and talking to people and finding the little behavioral changes that actually are easy for you to do and get you kind of get you going um you don't have to make these drastic changes from the start so i think personally that's how i want to tackle climate and obviously the work we do with footy for climate is seeing how, how footy and sport can really help um progress climate action in this country too uh, there's another thing you can do i was thinking from your fashion perspective of your footy players right because you're saying you've got all these things you're running around all week or two you know, there must be an enormous amount of washing going on presumably done by the club that washing all this stuff for you uh, actual big part of clothing footprint is when you're wearing it, and that depends on how you're actually washing the clothes. So, for instance, if you're washing that on really hot water that's using normal energy from the grid, that's going to have a huge impact compared to if you're using cold water and renewable energy. So ask the clubs, kind of, hey, guys, um, are you using renewable energy when you wash all our clothes? Do you do it on a cold wash? And even Or if you're doing it on a hot wash, uh, is it all coming from renewable energy? You would be surprised on all the kind of life cycle assessments of fashion. Sometimes a big part of it's actually when we wear it and how we wash our clothes. So you could do the same with your clothes, obviously, at home. But, you know... G- g- Go and talk to the clubs. You I might, start, I might start at home, but I feel I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Somebody who's washing my smelly training gear, just telling them how to do it. No, you're not, but you're not talking to them. No, never talk to them. It's the same as like where people go. Oh, I got really annoyed at the person who was giving me a plastic bag at the supermarket. I'm like, don't get annoyed at them. They're a 15 year old on minimum wage. That's not the person you get annoyed. You're not annoyed. You're not talking to the person that's washing your clothes. You're talking to the the, the club manager and going, hey, just out of interest, this club. Are we 100% renewable energy here? Because it's easy. It can easily be done. Businesses can do it straight away. You can do it as a household as well. Is this football club run on renewable energy? Ask that question. It's an easy great, question to ask. It's actually a great point. It's something um, we've spoken to a bunch of our players with who, you know, you know, trying to figure out where their club lies. And, you know, we help um, assist them with ways to kind of approach club boards and all that kind of thing about and, and asking these very questions. And it actually is just a great way to start those conversations at your workplace, you know, for anyone, like asking your boss, whatever your job is, you know, do we have a, you know, a climate action plan or, you know, what I think just initially starting those conversations can be a really productive way to actually get change to happen. And the cold wash means your clothes don't shrink. So that's pretty huge as well. Fashion advice <laughs> from Jasper Pittard. I actually yeah, always yeah. do cold Tom, wash Tom, for that reason. <laughs> Tom, Tom likes it shrinking because it makes him look more built. Like he's really, looks like he looks like he's trained a bit of extra there. <laughs> you've, caught, you've caught me out, Craig. You've caught me out. <laughs> 
He's like, do it on extra hot wash. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's a, a simple question to ask your business or wherever you're working, your footy club or whatever, just going, hey, where do we get our energy from? It's a really easy one to ask. So, yeah. It's another one you can have. And again, it's a simple one. Just going, oh, I was just thinking about it because we wash a lot of clothes here or I'm constantly on these, you know, running machines. You know, where's the energy coming from? There you go. You'll have to go ask the Saints, Tom. Jasper, mate, thanks for coming back on the cool down. Uh, it's, we've had this conversation about waste so many times. So, mate, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you. And, yeah, it was awesome to chat with you, Craig. Um, yeah, and to meet you. Thank you. Hey, hey, lovely to meet you guys. Love footy for climate. Keep the good work going. And uh, yeah, more if you for those waste lovers out there, not waste lovers, waste haters, I guess. <laughs> uh, War and Waste Three will be coming out later this year. So hopefully we'll be able to give you some more answers to those big questions you have. Oh, we're really looking forward to it and can't wait to see War and Waste Season Three. Thanks for being on the Cooldown, Craig. Cheers, guys. I'm your host Tom Campbell, and thanks for listening to the Cooldown, a Footy for Climate podcast. The Cooldown is produced by Sam Dalton. And audio is edited by Darcy Parkinson from Producey. Episode research is done by me, Jasper Pittard and Aloise Witkowski.